Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this fine Thursday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. We got Thursday night football tonight. NBA preseason is over. Hockey starts tonight for the Coyotes, Wolf. Baseball playoffs in full swing. Um, going to talk to Eddie Johnson in a little bit. Lorenzo Eddie Johnson, man, how about that? What's up, Eddie? How you doing, big guy? Man, that is awesome. No doubt about it. October baseball once again. Get fired up. Hockey starting. Yes, indeed, man. Man, uh, this is this is good. I got no complaints. I got none, none at all. Coyotes starting in Pittsburgh tonight. Where do you want to start, Luke? I want to start with the Cardinals, and I want to start with the injury report because it's always a big deal. Uh, but it's been a bigger deal, seemingly, for this team this year. And there was like a week in there where I kind of thought, all right, they're kind of finally getting back to to relatively full strength. And now I don't know so much, Wolf. They already had to put Jonathan Ward on uh, IR yesterday. James Conner didn't practice yesterday with a rib issue. Rodney Hudson didn't practice knee issue. Trayvon Mullen didn't practice hamstring issue. We already know Matt Prater's out for Sunday, uh, courtesy of of Cliff Kingsbury yesterday. So Matt Amendola will be kicking for the Cardinals again this weekend. And uh, Darrell Williams didn't practice with a knee issue. Other guys were limited, but let's just just start with those five pretty important names right there. Yeah, you know, for me, once again, I mean, I'm focused on Rodney Hudson and I'm focused on James Conner, those two guys right there. Rodney Hudson being banged up and nicked up. Now, listen, uh, Sean Harlow did a really, really good job, I thought, playing center. Of course, filling in for Rodney Hudson did a great job. I thought the offensive line really surprised an awful lot of people against the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, did a nice job. They ran the ball well when given the opportunity to run the ball well, and the Cardinals need to continue to do that. But they also protected Kyler Murray. They've got to continue to do this because Rodney Hudson might be up and down all year long, for all we know right now at this point in time. Yeah, and, and next season doesn't really really matter, but I can't help but have it in the back of my mind, given the sort of uncertainty around him this past off season of, you know, does he want to come back? Why doesn't he want to come back? Oh, all of a sudden he is back, but maybe maybe a knee issue was the reason he was kind of debating do I want to keep putting my body through this? And I'm not saying this is his last season, right. but I'm just saying like you wonder every time he has to deal with this, does that push him closer to being like, look, I've had a pretty good career in this league, and maybe this, uh, I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Uh, next season doesn't matter yet, obviously. Right in the middle of things, he got enough to worry about this year. But he is the one every week, Wolf, where I'm like, all right, I mean, he didn't play last week this yeah. time. The, the other times he's been out there. And uh, here's Cliff yesterday with an update on Rodney Hudson. He's day-to-day. I mean, he wasn't out there today. Uh, we wanted to feel great. It's a long season. Uh, you know, we, we really struggled last year when he went out. I felt like um, he was a part of that that deal offensively that, um, you know, we, we took a step back, but uh, we want to be smart. So I think it's it's really going to come down to how he feels this weekend. Yeah, I have to double check that, uh, but he I believe the Cardinals averaged like four or five less points a game when Rodney Hudson wasn't out yep. there last year. Now, he didn't, uh, I mean, I'm sure it hurt not having him last week against Philadelphia, but I thought the offensive line pretty 
did a pretty good job in his absence, but you don't want to keep testing that if you don't have to. No, you don't. And once again, um, they're a better offensive line when Rodney Hudson is out there and he's playing and he's feeling good. And they're also a better football team when James Conner is out there as well. And see, this is, especially this week of all the weeks, you know you know where I'm at on this in regard to the Arizona Cardinals needing to bloody the nose of the Seattle Seahawks. Bloody their faces. There's one way to do it, Basinonians. You stick the mouth garden, smear the eye block on, and you hammer the dude in front of you. That's what you do. Sound like Marshawn Lynch. Okay. Yeah, Marsh. Give, give me some Marshawn. You know what? Honestly, at some point today, it doesn't have to be right now. Just give me a little Marshawn over and over and over and over and over and over again. Why? You know what? Because it's a mentality. That is a mentality. And right now, the Seattle Seahawks are struggling with teams that have that mentality of running your face over. That's when it just clicked in my mind that if you just run through somebody's face, a lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. They're just not going to want that. Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through Okay, that's easy now. You don't have to worry about him no more. (laughs) I love the easy now, beast mode. I'm just saying, though, honestly, though, it's a mentality right now, and it is the mentality that I think this week in particular, I want to see the Arizona Cardinals adopt that with James Conner. And and Rodney Hudson, those two guys right there would be huge parts of that mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if they can't play, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know. Based on how you uh, have described the Seahawks' run defense, and based on just how it's looked this season, um, you should still be able to run on them even without Rodney Hudson. But yeah, you there's a lot there's a lot on the line this week. If you really think about it, we'll get more into it uh, throughout the show. But you win this game. You suddenly feel pretty good about a lot of things, even even if it's just covering some stuff up. You're getting Rodney, or you're getting uh, DeAndre Hopkins back. Uh, you'd be at three and three. You would have survived that stretch without him. If you lose, you're looking up at the Seahawks in this division, yeah. and it's mid October, and yeah. Geno Smith's out playing Kyler Murray. Right. Like, what? What? Like who saw that coming? Hey, look, everybody! It's Geno Smith. He's going to be starting the NFL. It's Drew Locker, Geno Smith, man. Boy, how how absurd does that seem now that Drew Locke was even in the conversation? I, I know. It is really stunning. And, and once again, just doing some research here and watching Geno Smith on tape. He, Luke, he looks like a different dude. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he looks like a different guy. Now, now, look at uh, Geno's never had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett around him. Will Disley, the the tight end as well for the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. that's a guy that everyone forgets about, and yet he's very, very capable, especially in the red zone. Does an excellent job. Um, he's got a very solid offensive line in front of him. The Seahawks run the ball, and now all of a sudden, Geno's surrounded with some really good talent. Not only on the line of scrimmage, but also on the perimeter. And look what's happening in his career, man. 
this is truly amazing to see this. I wrote about it. He is um, he's the subject of what will Wolf watch when we actually get to that point. But Geno Smith has totally changed his game, man. And because of that, the Seattle Seahawks are on a roll yeah, that, offensively. That is coming up here uh, shortly, the Wolf watch. I want to play this clip as well, though, Wolf. I think we at least have to mention this. This is, I said, Matt Prater not playing this week. Here's Cliff's update. Prater, no. No, don't, don't look like he'll make it this week. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully by, by next Thursday we'll see how that goes. All right, let's just let's pause on that for a second, okay? Because if if <laughs> if I'm looking at this logically, here's your kicker. He has a hip issue. He's out this week. Yeah. He was out last week. You, you're playing on a short week next week. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not ruling Matt Prater out for the New Orleans game, but I, I feel pretty unlikely he's going to play on Thursday. If he's not playing Sunday and it's a hip injury and you're a kicker. Yeah. So you're kind of all in on Matt Amendola right now. Like, you need this guy to make kicks. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is for his career, he's two for nine beyond 40 yards. Yeah. So you may need to alter how you are approaching things, honestly. I, I don't think, you know, they always have that line on the TV broadcast, like, oh, get here and this will hit. Yeah. Okay. I would just assume you're not in his range unless you're inside 40 yards for a while. So what are you saying? You're going to go for it on fourth down. See, I mean, honestly. And it, it would change my approach on third down. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, yeah. if you figure in four down territory, all right, uh, unless you get inside of 40 yards. Which, I mean, Cliff does that all the time anyway, but I'm just saying. Well, like, yeah, now yeah. all of a sudden it'd take on a new edge, though, yeah. wouldn't it? That's, it's, a, it's a weird spot to be in where a Matt Prater injury, you know, everybody just kind of overlooks kickers, and I get it. But when you don't have one, it's we just saw it on Sunday. It can be a game changer. The Chiefs have seen it with uh, Matt Amendola this year. It can cost you a game. He's not the only one. And I, I, I mentioned this the other day. There are a lot of kickers injured right now too. So it's not like there's just a line of thirty kickers out there. Like which good one do I want? Sure. You're just trying to kind of get by. But I don't know, man. If Cliff's ruling somebody out on a Wednesday, I'm not feeling real great that they're coming back anytime soon. Yeah. Then again, though, honestly, if it's a hip and it is kind of like, you know, and he pulled something in his hip, um, you know, and now all of a sudden you might actually feel better. If you just get three more days or four more days, I think, yeah, that could make a difference. So. I never thought we'd be talking about whether or not a kicker was practicing. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, here, we right. here we go. Just announced Dead & Company will be heading to Auction Pavilion May 23rd for their last tour. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by visiting ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, did the Phoenix Suns go so far as to make Cam Johnson off-limits this offseason? We'll explain next. It's the Wolf & Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Okay, well, if you put it in your email, um, when is the Dallas game? Well, the Dallas game is in six days. Yeah. And you put that in there to say when is the preseason over, and it is over. Yeah, baby. Yes, I know. Here we go, man. Dallas looms, does it not? It does. And we're going to get into a little bit of what we could take away from that game uh, last night in a little bit. We're going to talk to Eddie Johnson as well. Typically, I wouldn't care about a preseason game from like the second it ends. Like that would, it would just be erased from my memory instantly 
But I'm I'm curious to see what sort of depth the Phoenix Suns have this year, and some of that depth or potential depth was on display last night. But I want to actually talk about this, Wolf. There's a story on Yahoo, and the title was The Suns' Curious Handling of Jay Crowder Creates More Questions Than Answers. It's by Jake Fisher. And um, there's some interesting things in here, but I, I, I want to get your thoughts on what stood out. I'm going to tell you the first thing. Look, this is how big this is to me. I printed it out. Wow. And I highlighted it. Okay. You know how long it took me to find a highlighter in this building? Seriously, who yeah. uses a highlighter? I, apparently anymore? nobody, but this thing's brand new. I mean, who uses paper anymore? <laughs> what are you doing? I, I, it was a strange journey, but here yeah, we are. I see. Um, the first thing I highlighted, because I wanted to feel like I was being studious, was the phrase addition by subtraction when talking about Jay Crowder. Because that is one thing I haven't really thought of with Jay Crowder. I think you and I are in pretty similar, um, you know, mindset on this. Of I would just prefer things got ironed out with Jay Crowder, and yeah. he was here. I don't think this right. is really even an option anymore. But I would just prefer they had Jay Crowder. But is there a thought potentially of yeah, you don't want to be here, but also because you don't want to be here, we need you out of here. I wonder if maybe that's playing into this. Yeah, this is something that you and I were talking about, though, in the past. It is the one asterisk that I have mentioned, and that is Jay is a very intense kind of dude. And maybe they knew he was not going to do well because he wanted not only to be a starter, but also to get an extension as well. He was going to not do both of those things. It was going to come off the bench and he wasn't going to get the extension. And because of that, maybe his attitude totally soured. And we saw it, at least on Twitter. It didn't sound very good. And because of that, uh, maybe it's a situation where... Jay is such a dominant personality with a a very intense personality that maybe it was going to be addition through subtraction. So we'll see. I think addition through subtraction, you know, that's a case by case basis unless I'm not showing off saying that just because you call it a base by base cases. (laughs) That's a case by case basis. That was so good on your part. Because, um, you know, unless unless the guy is just an absolute mess in the locker room and Jay Crowder is not that, then it's just like we got to get this guy out of here. If you are banking on it being, okay, we're actually going to be better by losing some talent, that's risky because here's the thing, Wolf, and, and, you know, I don't know how big of a story this will be until we get into next week, but he was going to take it on a base by base cases. Okay, you're going to throw that in my face. I knew right that now. was coming. I mean, honestly. For the record, I didn't play that. That was. Yes, uh, right. Yeah, the best. Um, I did set them up. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you. If, what were you saying? If Cam Johnson. So distracting. If, no, it wasn't. It actually added to the conversation. If, uh, if Cam Johnson is unable to go for opening night, let's say, or, you know, it doesn't even matter about opening night. It's just, it has illustrated the fact because he's dealing with the hand injury and so is campaign. They don't have a lot of depth, and this team cannot really afford an injury, Wolf. Whereas last year, they had injuries, and it just they, they navigated them just fine until the Dallas series. Yeah, you know, it's so, it's so amazing to me because um, who wrote this article that we're talking about Jake right Fisher. now? Jake Fisher. Jake Fisher wrote this article, Basinonians, and he's with whom, Luke? Uh, it was on Yahoo. Yahoo, okay, right. Um There were so many points in the story as I was reading this in regard to Jay Crowder, and um, a couple of the things just totally did not seem to make sense or line up right here. First of all, he says, all this has left rival executives questioning why Phoenix barred Jay Crowder from the team in the first place. Did you know that? 
I was always kind of under the impression because it was framed this way. <laughs> I was that like, it was a mutual like Jay. I, honestly, I was under the impression Jay doesn't want to be here, and we're yeah. not going to force him to be here. Right? No, I I get that. But yeah. Bard Bard seems, is very different. That seems like a very strong word to use right there. That from is Jay. That's the Jimmy G treatment right there. Exactly. They were like, hey, listen, okay, we can tell this isn't going to go well. Just don't even show up, okay? You're barred from actually showing up. That that had to be the point where Jay was talking about new opportunities, right? And he was excited. I guess I'd uh, love. You know, he was going to grow. Remember? His, uh, oh no, I remember that. I remember. I remember that was, tweet. That was August first, right? Because it was the same day that Marcus Golden put out his tweet, and I was like, "What's going on on Twitter today?" And the Jay Crowder stuff kind of got pushed aside for a second because. You know, opening night is still a week away, and that was two months away or two months ago. But, um, but yeah, there's there's definitely some weirdness there. And the other thing that really stood out in this Wolf is um, when they talk about Cam Johnson. Okay, I'm going to read you a line from this. It says during the team's trade pursuit of Kevin Durant this summer, sources said Suns officials remained steadfast that Johnson was off limits. Although one source said Phoenix did ultimately include him in an offer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait a minute. He's off limits, and all of a sudden you included. In, yeah. in one off. Okay, fine. You can have it. All right. Uh, so is it really, you know what that sounds like to me, Basin Ornings? It sounds like negotiations. That's what it sounds like. You're merely negotiating. This is what they do. The wall is white. No, it isn't. It's black. Prove that it isn't. You want this? You're not going to get that. Are you you are never going to get that from us. Here, let's play this out, okay? You you be oh, James okay. Jones, okay? And I'll yeah. be I'll be whatever right, I'm, I'll be yeah, I'm James. I, listen, I'm just telling you right now that um Cam Johnson is off limits. Wow. You, he's untouchable. That's, don't even I don't want you even to say Cam Johnson's that's name. An aggressive start to this phone call cuz we were really we were thinking maybe we get a deal done here with Kevin Durant. You want him, right? But Cam Johnson would have to be a part of it. No, Cam you're never going to get Cam. Wow. You're never going to get Cam Johnson. See, I know you want Cam Johnson. And because of that, I'm never going to give you Cam yeah, Johnson. Cam, you all understand? Of a sudden, this makes Cam Johnson bigger than Kevin Durant. Yeah, well, so what? what deal if, with what it. if we threw something else in? <laughs> would that would that change your mind at all? No. No. Oh. You're not getting Cam Johnson. Not today. Okay. The next day. Now, the next day, we might have a different yeah. conversation. See how that works? Yes. I mean, that's it's called negotiations. It uh, is. I can go back to my owner and be like, they're willing to give us Cam Johnson for Kevin Durant. Exactly, Let's do Exactly, because you know what they said? He was untouchable. There was no way you were going to get Cam Johnson. You were not going to. They told me. He was untouchable. I got, I worked him. I massaged him. I got him into where they're actually going to give. I mean, this is what you want to do. Make the other guy think, you got something for me. I told you, you never get. Yeah. How did you manage to do that? All right. Give us Durant and throw in some picks, too. Uh, a big offseason for Cam Johnson, though, if you think about it. Because either way, at some point, some team apparently wanted him, which makes sense. And no. the Suns were like, no, you're not getting him. And then also, at the same time, Wolf, they have moved him up to the starting lineup, and that seems to either have played 100% of the role, or at least a good chunk of the role for why Jay Crowder wants out of here. So this is the summer of Cam Johnson, in addition to everything else that was going on with his team. It sounds like behind the scenes, they decided Cam is ready to take the next step. And I'm really concerned for Cam Johnson right now because of this. Okay, I'm not horrified. I'm not afraid. I'm not terrified. Base and onions, I'm not, but I can tell you, I am. Um, I am interested to see what this does to Camp Johnson. 
there's a lot of pressure that suddenly is coming down on Cam Johnson. It's one thing to be a guy that is the first man off the bench, the sixth man. It's one thing to do that, and another thing to actually start. And, oh, here's Jay Crowder. Was Jay Crowder a big part of your chemistry? Was Jay Crowder a big part of what it is that you did, the culture inside that locker room? Yeah, I think he was. And now all of a sudden, Cam Johnson, and how much better Cam Johnson has gotten. And now, oh, you're going to be our starter. I'm wondering if this is is messing with Cam Johnson at all or if he's embracing it. Well, I hope it's not messing with him because everything you just said, add this to it. It's not just, okay, you went from being the sixth man and now you're starting. It's you went from the sixth man and now you're starting – and we don't have a sixth man now because we decided that you were starting. Yeah, like they're right. going to move somebody into that Crowder role. To boot it. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> so they're going to have to move campaign or whoever into that that sixth man role. But uh, as, as I've been saying, it to me, it's not a matter of well, we're really excited about Cam, and you know, you had Cam last year. So you had Jay Crowder and Cam last year. Now, maybe you have a better Cam this year, but you have no Jay. Yeah. So there better be somebody. And don't just tell me campaign's moving up because you also had campaign last year. You still need to add somebody for this team unless Jock Landale really is the next Michael Jordan. That would help. Uh, all right. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, all right, what is going on with Geno Smith? Wolf's going to tell you with what will Wolf watch next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Can we just say this before we get into Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Watch Wolf? And I know I've referenced this before. I'm a big HBO Max fan. They could okay. they could stop posting pictures of the clown from It on my Twitter timeline. It's okay. like every day now. Yeah, I don't need to see the clown from It every right. day. You know what was even scarier than the picture of the clown? No. Stephen King's version of the clown. That's a long... Every okay. Stephen King book was like 40,000 pages, wasn't it? Just read it, and all of a sudden, your imagination takes over, and it looks so nasty. Well, it looks pretty nasty on uh, on Twitter, too. All right, let's get into what Wolf Watch, because we've talked about the Cardinals this week, and how they're going to respond from that, uh, that loss to Philadelphia, and we've talked about Seattle's defense and how they struggled to, to stop the run, but the real mystery... Maybe the biggest mystery in the NFL this year, Wolf, is Geno Smith, who I wasn't joking yesterday when I said he has the top quarterback rating in the NFL, (laughs) and he leads the NFL in completion percentage. And now we are five games into the season. Seattle's two and three. The Cardinals are two and three. But for the Seahawks, it feels like they're five and zero oh right now. Um, but Geno Smith is right at the center of it. So what are you watching on Sunday? Well, you you know what I'm watching on Sunday. Let's roll that. What will Wolf watch? The man in the mask. Watching Geno Smith on tape is both exhilarating and terrifying. Exhilarating because he looks so confident and so poised at the ripe old age of 32. Terrifying because this is not the same quarterback that got his shot, lost his shot, and then took a shot in the face on the way out the door by defensive end Ick Enemkali. I don't even recognize this guy. It's like he's wearing a mask. 
brothers. King Louis XIV made a man wear a mask. Scholars debate who the identity of the man was behind the mask. But whatever it was, he spent several decades confined to the Bastille and other French prisons. Gino wasn't in prison, but he was exiled after the punch. He missed the first two games of the season, and Ryan Fitzpatrick went on one of the more historic runs a quarterback in the NFL has ever seen. In fact, Fitzpatrick would have the most prolific passing season for a Jets quarterback in franchise history. And just like that, Geno Smith's career looked a lot like the Bastille, and his identity as a starting quarterback was lost. No one knew the identity of the man behind the mask or why the king had put him in prison. And although the man never wore an iron mask, no one knew what he looked like because the prisoner was never seen without a black velvet mask covering his face. Interesting. We know that Geno Smith looked like Geno Smith (laughs) when he was playing for the New York Jets. Geno looked like a 72, as in passer rating. He never completed 60% of his passes, threw 25 touchdowns and 34 interceptions, and was sacked 71 times in two years. Geno wished he was wearing a mask, and his reputation took a huge hit. King Louis' anonymous prisoner has inspired countless stories and legends throughout the centuries. Alexander Dumas helped popularize the myth that his mask was made of iron when he penned the Vicomte of Bragelonne. Todd Bowles helped popularize the end of Geno Smith in New York when he announced that Geno had suffered a broken jaw after his teammates sucker punched him for backing out of a football camp. Geno has metaphorically worn the velvet mask ever since. But who wore the velvet mask in the 17th century, my friends? Hundreds of different candidates have been proposed, ranging from a member of the royal family to a disgraced French general and even the playwright Molière. In the end, it doesn't matter who the man was behind the mask, but it does matter who Geno Smith is. He's throwing the ball down the field like a madman from the Bastille itself. He's attempted 175 passes and is completing over 75% of those passes. His quarterback rating is 113.1, the highest quarterback rating in the league. Patrick Mahomes is number two. Josh Allen is number four. Justin Herbert is number five. D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are two of the most dangerous receivers in the league. And tight end Will Disley is a threat in the red zone. The Seahawks are in the top third of every major offensive category and are number seven in scoring offense, scoring 25.4 points per game. And you can count on one hand how many teams are running the ball better than the Seattle Seahawks. There was an Italian count who was abducted and jailed after he tried to double-cross Louis XIV during political negotiations in the late 1670s. His name was Matteo. He was a longtime prisoner, and his name is similar to Marchiole, the alias under which the mask was actually buried. 
Most people believe this was the man in the mask. Not all. Geno Smith was buried, metaphorically speaking. And although much more has changed than the face mask he wears, in the end, being surrounded by weapons has removed his mask and changed everything. Minus the broken jaw, of course. It's truly incredible when you watch Geno Smith because, again, as you watch him play, he looks like he's even throwing the ball differently. Maybe it's just because it's been a long time since we've really seen him in a prominent position where we're watching him actually complete passes at a clip that is astounding. 75%, over 75% of his passes. It's amazing to see it. I always have one question when you're done with these. I thought uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was the man in the Iron Mask. Didn't we establish that in the 90s? Um, as a matter of fact, yeah. Okay. He played that, oh. but it's really Mattiole. Oh, okay. Uh, the Geno Smith thing is... And not everybody believes that, by the way. Not everybody believes that there was a man behind the mask. There's always one contrarian. There was a man behind the mask, but that it was Mattiole, not everybody. Scholars are debating that. Isn't, isn't that what scholars do? That's, they just debate? all they do, as a matter of fact. What are, what are the scholars doing today? Oh, they're over there debating. That's exactly That's what, what they do, do right there. But, man, I'll tell you, it's great to see it. Uh, the Geno stuff, it's, it's, it's funny when you look at, like, comeback player of the year. It's pretty clear cut, right? Oh, it's definitely Geno. Oh, it's definitely Saquon Barkley. Uh, <laughs> it's Geno Smith. It's, I mean, right now, yeah. It's Geno Smith. There, there's, listen, Saquon, Saquon's having a really good year know, coming Sa- back from an Saquon, injury. Though. There's no doubt about it. He he he's having an incredible year. But uh, I think um, it's the quarterback position. And if you tell me Geno Smith is going to continue to play the way that he's playing right now, I don't think there's any doubt that Geno Smith is going to win Comeback Player of the Year. I need to look this up during the break, some of the previous Comeback Player of the the Year winners, because a lot of times it's like, oh, this is a really good story that maybe if you don't live in the town where this guy plays, you don't realize his story or whatever, and he wins Comeback Player of the Year because he made it back to the league or he had a decent season. But this year, this is like the extremes. These are two of the biggest names in football right now. And Saquon, everybody expected, would be good if he could just stay on the field. But Geno Smith was written off and, and done, like, I feel like four or five years ago. Yes. And that's what I mean. He just disappeared. And suddenly, here he is. All right, coming up next, we're going to take you through the latest news around the National Football League, including a potentially game-changing story on the Washington Commander's owner. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, we're going to go around the National Football League. I guess we can give three seconds to the fact that the Commanders and Bears play tonight. Um, I mean, I'll be watching. It's going to be football. Are you kidding me? Let's go. I'm going to hold you to that. (laughs) It's going to be football. It better be football. This better not just be a – it certainly looks like the worst game on the schedule this week, but we'll see. We'll see. The Bears apparently are wearing some uh, interesting new uniforms, so get ready for that. Commanders, one win on the season. Uh, speaking of the, the commanders, commanders, whose name I still can't quite like get as as habit to say. I keep wanting to say Washington football team. 
Story on ESPN today says uh, it's titled Sources Commander's Boss Snyder Claims Dirt on NFL Owners and Goodell. And yeah. this came out and just a little bit before our show, and it's long. It is, and I've been reading it throughout the day, but <laughs> this, this is an interesting one, Wolf. Because, I mean, the, the, the theme of the story here is that Dan Snyder flat out says, like, they can't touch me because I have stuff on all of them. Or yeah. He doesn't say all of them, but a lot of them. There's a line in here, and I'm trying to find the exact one. He said, and, and this is not... This is not Dan Snyder saying this to the person writing the story. This is sources that are apparently close yeah, to him. Right. But with quotes like, the NFL is a mafia, and quote, all owners hate each other. That's how he views his yeah. uh, his contemporaries right. around the league. There was a good line where he said, all the uh, all the other owners hate each other. And one of, one of the league officials said, no, all the other owners hate Dan Snyder. <laughs> you know, this is... This reminds me an awful lot of the Robert Sarver situation. There were a lot of people who thought Robert Sarver was going to go this way in terms of saying, okay, you know what? If you're going to take me down, I'm taking everyone down with me. Some people thought Robert Sarver was going to do that, and fortunately, he is not doing that. Um... Daniel Snyder, on the other hand, could you see him doing it? Oh, man, I could definitely see Daniel Snyder doing this. So that's going to be very interesting to watch where this goes. Okay, so you got me, and I'm going to bring everyone else down around me because I know, metaphorically speaking, where the bodies are buried. Um... Boy, the NFL better tread lightly on that one. They because are. Because remember this right now. Whatever he says, even if it's false. Yeah. It doesn't, you can, do you know how hard it is to prove that that's false? And say nobody remembers that. Yeah. Most of the time. If he says something about, you know, random owner, everybody's going to be like, oh, can you believe that this owner did this or said this? And then it may come out two years ago. Hey, you know how Dan Snyder kind of seemed to lie about a lot of things? He also lied about this. Yeah. People aren't really going to remember. Remember the the yeah the go back in the in the the edit of that, but this is it's um, totally. By the way, my young crunk brothers, it's totally a dishonorable thing to do. Oh, we got we got you. Mm. Okay, now I'm going to bring everyone else down around me. This is uh, Seth Wickersham from ESPN this morning. And is summarizing the story. Don Van Natta and Tisha Thompson and I decided to try to answer a question that I think a lot of fans have wondered, and that's how has Dan Snyder survived? And our reporting showed a lot of interesting things, including what you alluded to earlier, that he has dirt on NFL owners. He has told people that he's used private investigators on them and that some of that stuff could blow up the league. That's a quote that he told somebody. He said to a confidant, they can't F with me. And now he has denied saying those things to us. But again, we have firsthand people who have heard him say that. And, you know, I think that that's not landing very well at 345 Park Avenue and with his fellow owner. The thing is, if they're going to get him on, on talking to people that are close to Dan Snyder, my only question, Wolf, is... Who's close to Dan Snyder at this point? I feel yeah. like everybody dislikes Dan Snyder. And you brought up the Sarver stuff. It is a very interesting contrast because my theory at the time when Adam Silver was up there kind of looking almost lost and conflicted was that, 
I'm going to start the ball rolling as Adam Silver. I'm going to look bad today, but I'm going to let sponsors and public outcry sort of force Robert Sarver to sell sell the team so that the other owners don't have to deal with any sort of repercussions. Robert Sarver didn't go down this ugly Dan Snyder path. The Robert Sarver stuff, I mean, I know, I guess it took a while. It took about a year. But, in, I mean, Dan Snyder, I feel like they've been investigating him since he bought the team. Yeah, I know. This is not going to end well. You can see it. This is not going to. I thank goodness Robert Sarver in this situation is at least appears to be ending well. And thank goodness we're not Washington and Dan Snyder because that is not going to end. How awkward are the owner meetings going to be next week? (laughs) You've got 32 NFL owners and one of them, who the other 31 apparently hate, is sitting there saying, yeah, you can't do anything to me or I'm going to take down like nine of you with me. That's going to be fun. Uh, To the actual football field, the Rams, we would agree, look a little broken. And one of the reasons they were so dangerous and ultimately won the Super Bowl last year was Odell Beckham. Sean McVay said the team is uh, still interested. I love Odell. We have constant dialogue. I think he also knows that um, certainly I don't think that's the the last one um, that would come from us. I'm not familiar exactly what it is. Uh, He knows how we feel about him. Um, We got a little bit of time, but uh, love Odell. Nothing but good things coming from me. Did you see Odell's tweet that sort of prompted this from yesterday? said, uh, L.A. knows where I wanted to be, but they didn't offer me anything. So I don't know what people want me to do. I definitely know my worth and what the offer was isn't reflective of that. So it's tough to say that I can come on back, even though I thought I finally found that home. Uh, unquote. Although I will say, did they not offer you anything or did they just not offer you what you feel like you're worth? Yeah, you know, honestly, that is a great question, Luke. But just listening to Sean McVay, what he said right there, too. Hey, listen, that's not our, he's alluding to the fact it's not their last offer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, what are you doing, Sean? You're killing the negotiations would, right now. You it would just... never get Cam Johnson in a trade, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> you would crumble in the negotiations. Yes, that's great. They're, okay, so they're not offering. Well, he knows that, you know, it's not our last. <laughs> Here, Odell, here's our offer. But, I mean, come on, you're not taking this I, one, right? We'll give oh you another Oh, my one. goodness. I, I, I don't know if that's the best tactic to employ. Well, he must be looking at Allen Robinson's numbers because they are not good this year at all. The Rams' offense is Cooper Cup. Yes. That's it. That's it. It's just Cooper Cup right yes. now. Yes, and Matthew Stafford throwing the ball to somebody else. Yeah, which is not really much of a... Uh, and Tyler Higby as well. Throwing Tyler Higby. Okay, so the Rams' offense is Cooper Cup, a little bit of Tyler Higby, and Ben Skoranek blocking people. <laughs> That's their entire offense. Boy, uh, and he's doing it very well, Skoranek. He is. Uh, we had the story briefly yesterday that Devontae Adams is being, he might be facing misdemeanor assault charges for shoving that camera guy. Here's Adam Schefter giving us some clarification on that. Short term, the NFL is still deliberating the proper discipline for Devontae Adams. It could decide to just fine him. It could decide to suspend him. Keep in mind that the Raiders are on a bye this week, and so the league is not rushed into a decision of having to make a decision earlier in the week because the Raiders don't have a game. Their next game is after this upcoming weekend against the Houston Texans. Then Adams is also scheduled to appear in Kansas City Municipal Court on November 10th, and there's also the possibility that he could be facing a civil lawsuit. So that one action at the end of the game on Monday night obviously is going to lead to a lot more actions between the National Football League 
and the illegal system in Kansas City. Okay, so have Devontae Adams apologize and suspend Daniel Snyder, and then you solve two yeah. problems. At okay, that's nice. Yeah. Um, I like it. How about this? Um, Josh McDaniels, of course, is the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. He said, quote, we obviously don't want any of our guys to be doing anything like that. He knows that. He's very well aware of that. But I know the person. I don't think there was any intent behind it on his part. End quote. Um, there you go. Josh McDaniels. I do like the fact that Devontae Adams did apologize after. I do like that. It's but maybe it's because unprompted. he knew. Maybe it's just because he knew he was he had done the wrong thing. Yeah. And knew maybe that he hurt somebody. Um, trying to find Schefter had a different angle on it yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. But the, the I mean, the first angle that we've all seen looks bad. And so, I mean, it is bad because yeah. that angle's there. It's not like yeah. that angle's doctored. The angle from behind, it looks like he's just like, whoa, there's a person in front of me. And he just kind of, he, like, he stops. The angle from behind shows that Devontae Adams stopped instead of just, like, plowing through him and shoving him down. But still, I mean, obviously he can't do it. And, uh, yeah, it's a weird story. It's yeah. a very weird story. No, it's it's honestly it's it's a bad look for Devontae Adams, a guy that by all accounts is a pretty squared away dude. Um, and yet at the same time, as I say that, my brothers, I know exactly what it's like to lose your mind on a football field. Not once, but twice. I was being held by cops as I was in the crowd, climbing the wall, going into the stands. Um so yeah, who am I? Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to defend, uh, you know, I'm just saying that that was that's a different circumstance. Devontae Adams, a guy just ran in front of him. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not going to try know, and pretend to know why he did what he did. I know. Uh, you know, he's, he was hot, especially how that game ended. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and a quick Mike McCarthy update on his two quarterbacks for the 4-1 and one Cowboys. Dak Prescott will go through the quarterback school, uh, the movement drills and so forth, and he'll do some light throwing at the end of practice. Two the receivers. In your, as you stand here right now, Cooper is starting Sunday against the Eagles. Ready to get shaken up. We are preparing for Cooper to start against the Eagles. That's a big game this weekend, obviously. Eagles uh, and Cowboys. Chiefs, Bills might be the headliner, and it should be, because those are probably the two best teams in the NFL, Wolf, but that's a pretty good NFC East matchup, and typically there aren't good NFC East matchups the last five years, but that is one right there. Yeah, and this is, this is a critical year, of course, for Mike McCarthy. Critical year for him, so... You think Sean Payton was standing behind him at the press conference? I'm just saying, I have no idea. But I love listening to Mike McCarthy, man. It sounds like he just took a bite out of a big sub sandwich. He's he's like, why are you bothering me when I'm trying to eat? Uh, All right, we come back. How should the Cardinals prepare for two games in five days? We're going to ask 15-year NFL vet Lorenzo Alexander in the lowdown. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.